Hello ladies and gents and welcome to episode 3 of the Homestead in UK podcast, season 2. I'm Alan, I'm joined here by my mate Mike, how you doing Mike? Alright. Hey, how you doing, you good? I am mate. Yeah? Well I am because I'm sitting in the woods with a pad full of fried meat <laughs> and a cup of tea. <laughs> cup of tea with bugs in, but hey, hey extra protein. What you mean? I have bugs in mine, I said to take them out. Oh sorry mate. That's alright, I'm used to it now. Yeah well this is real life here mate, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't like your armchair podcast mate, this is... This is serious. wild. This is serious. I know look, quite... get a little bit of... There we go. Reckon it'll hear that? Definitely hear that. Sausages yeah, in the pan. Yeah, I'd like to say they're for my own pigs, but not quite yet. Not yet. Not yet. So in time, in time, mate. So <clears throat> it's been, I reckon by the time this goes out, well, it's been a month since we managed to get together and record. Yeah. And I think we've only seen each other once in that time. It's been a bit full on, hasn't it? Yeah, and, uh, so... Well, I've had the vid, mate. Yeah. I've had the vid. Yeah. So, so you've been... I've, I've, I've come out the other side now. Yeah. I've survived. Still on two feet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting because, um, you know, I know a lot of people who are, who are listening will either be worried about it, will have had it, or will have known someone who's, who's had it. And luckily, I didn't have it particularly badly. But what I was able to do, which I know not everyone can do, is because I'm working on my own and in isolation, mm. I was able to go to work. Yeah. And, you know, I'm outside. I don't see anybody else, so... Even though I was tired and I couldn't quite do as much as I would normally do, um, I was still able to get some things done, which was nice. I know it's not like that for everybody, but um, yeah, my heart goes out to people out there who've, who've maybe suffered some loss or are still carrying some long-term effects because, you know, I'm still not right now, but um, I think it's just something that we're going to have to live with for a little bit, isn't it? Seems to be that way, doesn't it? Seems to be that way. Lots of people I know have had it now. Seems to be uh, more people I know have had it than haven't, to be honest. But um... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that that bodes well for the future, though. You know. Yeah, and we're living with it, aren't we? And 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 I know that for me, it, it only sharpened my focus about trying to be more of a provider yeah. and not and not have to sort of rely on things, you know. But I think there's a lot of people feeling that slightly. Mm. Yeah, we're going to have to dive into these soon, mate. Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm going to put them just here. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to get out the old trusty SAK, mate, <laughs> and I'm going to test one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Mike's sausages on the fire. We're up at the woods at the. Uh, the site that you've been coppicing, and we've just been cutting some poles for my uh, cages that I make down at the allotment, haven't we? Yeah. It's very nice, so thank you for that. We appreciate that. No, we're lucky. We're just, just, they're just budding. The trees are just about to put leaf on, and then it's much harder to cut because everything's a bit more full of water. Yeah. And, I mean, everything is flowing here, but don't get me wrong. But yeah. uh, as we look out now, there are any leaves out, but I reckon if you come back in a fortnight, it'll be green everywhere. Well, there are definitely a few on um, a couple of the ones that have Well, the birch is out, but the, down, the yeah. chestnut, not quite yet. Yeah. Well, I'm right. going to dig in it, mate. Well, I might go for it. That, yeah. one, so, that one here's got my name on it. So with it Don't ask me anything in the next three minutes while I'm chewing away. <laughs> so shall I talk a little bit then? Why yeah, don't you, you do the you, weather? You munch, yeah? <laughs> you munch your way, mate. Um, so uh, by, by my reckoning, since I last spoke to you, we had a, we had a little heat wave, didn't we? You got quite... told him not to ask me anything. Oh, you, can, you can nod. Yeah, we did, mate. We, <laughs> yeah. had a, we, had a, we had two weeks, really, of blisteringly hot yeah. weather. Yeah. Unnatural for, the, for, the for this time. Year, for the time of year. The air was still a bit chilly, but the... The sun was hot and it got up to about 17, 18 degrees, which for March, as it was at the time in this part of the world, is that's pretty high. So that was actually. about three weeks ago that yeah, started. Was, yeah. Then we got shocked last week. Yeah, shocked last week was being proper cold and we had to be free of frost. Well, snow. You had, you had snow? Yeah. You really? Yeah. Proper snow. I, I, we had it falling, but it didn't settle. It snowed even where I live. Oh, I'll send you settle. a video, mate, of it yeah? absolutely hoying it down the snow, yeah. yeah. It, it, it stayed for a few hours, not yeah. not long, but it did come down. I've got a picture yeah. of me outside the polytunnel with it looking yeah. like Ice Station Zebra, bro. <laughs> no one's going to know what <laughs> no, that no. means. No, nor do I. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah and then and then after that we've kind of had it settled into a more more traditional april showers kind of a pattern hasn't it yeah it's been it's been very wet so it's been very wet windy sunny at times you know we've had little spells of it being quite pleasant and, mm. and the forecast has largely speaking been wrong at least where i live anyway but it's been cold this week for this time of year it has been cold, and it was yeah. hot before that so it's probably yeah. evened itself out really yeah, yeah. but that has played havoc with growing stuff hasn't it it really has. If you're trying to grow outside, um, that's caused a bit of a bit of a problem. And I know you're struggling against it, isn't you? Mm. You're struggling with it. And we were we were down at the farm earlier as well, so we'll probably talk a bit about that today. Yeah, I took a few shots. Yeah, I'm not obviously showing because obviously the farm isn't just my venture. I feel yeah. a bit um, hesitant about putting loads of pictures out because yeah. that's you know someone else's mm. actual lab. I'll chat to the guy down there and yeah. see, and I'm pretty sure he'll be all right with it. Yeah. We'll probably be able to get him on for an interview or something. That'd be It'd be good, pretty good, it? wouldn't yeah, it? That'd be really good to hear his point of view because. Uh, I think he's got quite an interesting story to tell, I should imagine, from talking to oh, him. Oh, yeah. Right, mate, I'm having three of these oh, now. Mate. You haven't had any yet. Oh, I know, but I'm trying so, to talk, mate. So, um, yeah, it was nice to see you up at the um, farm, and, I'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that. Mm. But things have certainly moved on, haven't they? Incredible amount of work's been done in the last month, so... I and you had I'll, a go on the tractor, bruv? I had a little go on the I've tractor. I've got a photo of you on that. Little, uh, what's that, the tiller on the back, was it? Yeah, the old roto tiller, just um, rotivating up the ground. Yeah. You look good on there, mate. Oh, it suits me, doesn't it? I have to give you my hat for the full effect. I'm not sure about the hat. You've got to have a flat cut, mate, when you're riding a flat cut. <laughs> it's the law. Is it? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you don't. They're done, you know. Oh, a bit don't, pink there, don't they? kill yourself. Well, yeah, eating it anyway, yeah? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had a little go up at the farm, so we'll talk about that in a little while. And, and I think you've probably been struggling against the soil a lot more than I have, haven't you? Because I know, for me, with the raised beds, all I've had to do is just top dress them with a nice thick layer of, of compost where I've got it. Yeah, and away I go again, and I've certainly been doing some of that. But you've you've been a well, like I, spoke, you? like I spoke to about is that the things that I'm facing are exactly the same as if you let's just say you build a raised bed in your back garden, hmm. and you're you know you're digging over your back garden, your lawn or whatever, and it's all builders rubble and clay and all hmm. that. Yep. That's what that's where hmm. I'm at. Yeah, it's on a bigger scale, but it's exactly the same, and I've had to try and find the soil to fill it much like people do when they're trying to get their raised beds filled up. And, you know, if you're at home, you can't afford to buy two tonnes of soil to put in there, mm. much like I can't afford to buy 200 tonnes of soil mm. or whatever it would have been. Mm. So we were relying on farmers um, giving us or trading us or buying from them manure. Yeah. And when I, when I say manure, I'm talking trailer loads now. I think there's about eight tonnes that go into the back of the trailer, mm. maybe a bit more. And... It's been very hard to come by. The polytunnel itself has had a lot of delays, you know, because of waiting for parts, uh, waiting for weather, and then and then waiting for commodities like soil or topsoil and manure and things like that. And so it has taken us the best part of f four months to get it up. But if I looked at the amount of days that we were working on it, it's probably not more than 10 or 12 oh, wow, on the okay. actual tunnel. Yeah. You know, working on it from, you know, sun up, sun down. It's just that we, we've hit so many snags and we've got more to put up, but I'm hoping that now we know what we're doing, you know, the next one should really go up a bit easier than yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like everyone else out there, it's about trying to find what you need to get the job done and, you know, coming to the realisation that the soil that's in the tunnel, which is a very, very heavy clay topsoil, is going to take a couple of years before I get that to that consistency that, yeah. you know, we want. And that will be through add it going up you know I, I, if i dig down i'll get into anaerobic clay which i can loosen but i can't turn it mm. um, and so it's therefore about adding that um, organic matter breaking it up making sure that the moisture which comes in on the muck is dissipated so that then you can till it and work it 
and I'm at that little bit at the moment where it is still too claggy. Mm. You came in and had a look today and it was nice for you to be there just to allay some of my fears because I'm looking at it and it looks like, well, yeah, you could, so you could get really get going in there, but there are still areas which are not right and, and you know, I know that it will take a little while for me to get them right, but I'm pretty sure that whatever I put in there will catch up. I think whatever you sow in there now is going to grow. Yeah, it will grow, won't yeah. it? I've obviously got the very wet end at the minute, but that will dry out. Where um, the tomatoes are going up. Where, and the tomatoes, and there's lots of good, good organic matter down there. I think the problem has been that you can't, you couldn't start from the, you know, knowing that you've got what you've got. Yeah. You've not been able to start by building up because no. of the expense that I would have been, you know, and that was ridiculous when I remember talking about yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But over time, it might be feasible for you to then top dress and build up rather Which we than will do. digging down all the time. Yeah, I won't be digging down, no. and I did hear that. Even on Gardener's <laughs> Question Time, it's funny, you know. Someone rang in and they were t describing their soil and, and this lady said, my dear, the only thing you can do is go up. That's yeah. it, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. Yeah. because you know, if you're if you're digging your ha house over and you get down and you've got a clay pan or you've got a layer of rubble or hardcore. Mine's solid chalk, mate. Yeah, like, you, literally yeah, you or dig chalk. it out and draw on a blackboard. Yeah, that's it. it. So, you know, you do need to increase the depth by going on yeah. top. And with the size of the estate that the um, farm is on, you know, once we get through this year, this next... 12 months of cutting grass, cutting hay, shredding timber, you know, sawdust, doing the mill. There's going to be enough organic matter that we can really compost on quite a large scale. Yeah. That, um, I'm hoping that we, we, we can be masters of our own compost destiny. You need to be, mate. I think everyone needs to be. For me, you know, you know, for me, when I re renovated the allotment, the first thing I did was put yeah, in the compost bins. Yeah, yeah. Because that is the foundation of everything else that you do. Well, and that leads me on to the next thing, which I found quite interesting, which was obviously... We spoke last time about the uh, conflict and the invasion of Ukraine, but yeah. the knock-on effect of that from a from a soil and a commodities point of view mm. has been about fertiliser, mm. and the cost of fertiliser has increased um, exponentially. Mm. It's unbelievable. And I didn't realise that a lot of the chemicals that we purchase or we use are, uh, come from Ukraine and Russia, so not, not nitrogen in particular. So fertiliser is, is a big commodity yeah. from, from there. Yeah. And um, the cost per tonne of fertiliser has gone up five times already. Wow. Five times. So, you know, over a £1,000 a tonne for fertiliser, which you would then, if you were, if you were a farmer who was fertilising fields, you would then put onto your crops, you know, granular fertiliser. Mm. So the government have actually relaxed the laws on storing manure because you're not mm -hmm. allowed to store manure normally for particularly long in the UK right. because of leaching runoff into right. the water system um, and the and the effects that that has but the government have relaxed that law I believe um, and they're encouraging farms to use their own muck and manure to then put back onto their soil but that's all right if you keep animals but if you don't keep animals you're in trouble aren't you mm. and that sort of almost is, is like a nod to coming back to this mixed farming approach where you have animals you have crops you have fruit you know, dovetailing back into that permaculture so time, thing. Yeah. I, the whole thing about this, the mess we're in at the moment, one way around or another, Yeah. ultimately this the all sensible road to lead back to old fashioned practices. Mixed farming. More sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So, so if that's the outcome of it, then, you know, well, to my um, mind, you know, the world. It's, it's, it's horrific what's going on in some parts of the world, but I know that Absolutely. the vision of the guy whose farm it is that we're working with it's very much about trying to close circles. That's what we've talked about all this all this month. You know, I've been thinking about that phrase about closing circles and mm -hmm. so. You know, if we need manure, we've had to rely on someone this year to get our venture started. Yeah. I don't want to be in that place in 18 months. Mm -hmm. And we've got three cows. <coughs> Just need to get an organised system of collecting 
and composting their manure yeah. and how we then make sure that we've got the right bays and we've got the right machines and equipment or or hand or people yeah. to do the job and so that's what we are going to try and do so you know when when it, when it, whatever scale you're on if you're if you're someone who's just taken over a little quarter of an allotment if you're someone who's decided to do a raised bed in your garden and I know a lot of people are starting to think like this because mm -hmm. they recognize that um, you know the food in the shops is becoming one rarer two more expensive but also we're all aren't we now got a tax hike we've all now in the mm -hmm. UK um, you know aware that the energy cap's gone up so we're all having to find money and so if you can grow a few fruit and veg in your garden um, maybe get a bit of meat or whatever from local sources it's all about saving those pennies which yeah. is definitely where I'm at at the <laughs> moment bro most people who listen to this are probably thinking in the same way I know I certainly have been for a while. Oh, these are banging, aren't they? They could, not they? <laughs> yeah. Triple yeah. artists. Yeah, so so back to what's actually going on up there. What I was, It was really nice for me because obviously I've not been up there for at least three weeks. I think, reckon, reckon it was three or four weeks ago I cut that last bit of timber. Yeah. Uh, so probably just before, around about the time the last podcast went out, I cut the last bit of timber. And the difference now going up there in terms of what's in the pony tunnel, what's in the ground. I think when I last went up there, you had some fruit trees in. Yeah. And you've done the fruit trees, but the net, the fencing around them wasn't complete. No. Um, and that was about it. And I think the, the ground in the in the poly tunnel was in a bit of a state still, it's fair yeah. to say. Well, there weren't any soil in there. <laughs> well, no, well, no it, was just, it was just where you rotivated the clay topsoil, aren't you? And you, yeah. I think you might have spread a bit of the muck, but not an awful lot. And it was certainly not, nowhere near to being ready to be sown. And now you've got your, you've got your potting bench in, haven't you? Sown a load of seedlings. Made the mother of a potting bench. That's amazing, that potting bench. I'm loving Serious that. Serious bit of kit. Yeah. Um, just from a bit of shuttering ply and some scrap timber we had around. I might have even milled that timber, those legs. Um, and yeah, so on one side, I've got the uh, early potatoes are in, my early peas are in, um, and the garlic's ready to go in, and the onion sets, we're just waiting maybe four or five days for it to dry out a bit more. Mm -hmm. And then what I have been doing is sowing, lots of sowing, um, which I know that you've been doing as well. And some of it's behind, you know, some of it's ahead, mm -hmm. but it will all come good. and. You know, I'm also trying not to think about what is what what normally I do with these crops because normally these crops will be having to go outside and normally these crops would be reliant on maybe the room I've got in my little tiny plastic powerhouse at home, but they're not. They're going to be growing in cosseted, lovely yeah. conditions. Yeah. And so yeah, the tomatoes are behind, but they're they should be. really grow, yeah, shouldn't yeah. they? They should well, really you, grow. Even though yours are behind mine now, they shouldn't be. They, you should be cropping probably yeah. before I am. I yeah. think. Well, they should be. Yeah. Yeah. With the water that's going in and the control I've got on the environment, yeah. and there's no breeze, there's no chill in there, no. and there's enough airflow in there though with the sides up and the doors. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So you got you got your early spuds in, haven't you? You got your peas in. Yeah. Uh, I saw a bunch of different brassicas and lettuces and what sort of things sown. So uh, spring, and... yeah, summer cabbage I've sown and they're up. Uh, my first lot of broccoli sprouting broccoli is up. Um, my Brussels sprouts. The seedlings I'm talking about are up, yeah. they're up. Um, and then I've got some turnips and I'm just waiting for that little bit more of a steady heat yeah. before I do the next lot of sowing. You know, I looked and done a bit today. I've done some, um, um, sta not station sow, some module sown beetroot and mm. some module sown spinach, mm. just so that, um, you know, if they, they're a bit of a sort of gamble, but if they come good, I've got them there, haven't I? You know, yeah. for the sake of 50 or 60 seeds and a few trays and a bit of, Potting compost, you know, and then I can get ahead of some things. You know, obviously I will be sowing some of them outside, and some of them for successional sowing in the tunnel once the soil's up and ready. But 
most things you can do. You know, there's a few things I won't put into modules. I won't put carrots in because I don't think they ever transplant at all well. Um, and same with parsnips, but it's a bit early for them. So, hmm. yeah, just going to try and get a little bit ahead, steal a little bit of time by putting things into modules and then work out the outdoor bit because that is probably two times the size of the bit oh, yeah. indoors. But before you go on to that, what's interesting is you're saying about stealing some time and you know, getting a little bit ahead by using your indoor space. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've been doing at home. Yeah. You know, trying to keep that back to sort of a domestic scale. I'm doing exactly the same. I've mm. got, you know, my 80 odd tomatoes that I've sown. Same as always, too many. Um, no, it's not, because you're giving them to me. <laughs> yeah, I probably will, yeah. Um, I could have, look, you know when you go to the zoo and there's an animal sponsored yeah. by someone? Oh, yeah, yeah. You could yeah. have a little plaque. Yeah. This tomato was sponsored by Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've got all those in the greenhouse. I've got my my summer cabbages in, so I've done my primo again, same as last year, the, the white cabbage, I've done some greyhound. Um, I've got some chilies on the go, I've got a cucumber in there. Um, so I started doing that, that, oh, a few other bits and pieces, but I think I did a bit of purple sprout in the other day for the first time. Well, I'll, have, I'll have a few of those for you. What's you that, mate? That. I'll have some purple sprout in. Yeah. And we'll, I know that even though we're working on different scales, I'm sure we'll still swap things oh, out. Yeah. Like today, you very kindly bought me up a load of strawberry plants that mm. were going and I'll use those at home now. I've been umming and ahhing about what to do with the beds at home mm. because, you know, the, the reality is I don't need them really. But given the nature of where we're at and time and, you know, the things that are going on in the world, it seems silly not to put something in there. Mm. Um, and so I was trying to think, there's a little robin just landed there. He's having a little look. Mm. Um, I was trying to think of what I would like to do and I think I'd like to try and grow fruit at home, soft fruit. Yeah. I've got soft fruit at the farm, but it will take a few years before it comes good, really, won't it? Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. So, to be able to put a bed, two by four bed, no, it's not two by four, is it? It's 120 by, 120 by three or 120 by three and a half metres yeah. or whatever it is. To be able to put one of them down to all strawberries is something I wouldn't have done before because no. I wouldn't have had the, I couldn't, I couldn't give up that much space. Yeah. But now I reckon I could, and I think that that would give me quite a decent return. Well, I. I can tell you what it will yeah. bring you because I've done it in the past. No, you have that off, last one, mate. Off, no, oh, what I mean. Um, on a similar sort of scale, I was taking five or six kilos of strawberries at one one point. So if you get you know get a reasonable year, that's a good lot of strawberries. Yeah, that is. And that'll that last is. you about three or four weeks. Well, we'll jam know. it, won't we? Yeah, you'll have more strawberries than you know what to do with for three or four weeks. No, I think, and you, you'll probably pick them more regularly, so you might get more even than I did. Just send the sun out, mate. That's it, yeah. He'll come in, I'll go to any strawberries, you'll yeah. go, no. <laughs> yeah, he'll come in his strawberry juice. Yeah, that's about it, <laughs> So I thought maybe I could do one of the beds yeah. with strawberries in it, and then knowing how we used to have a bed at school of black currants, which was so productive, yeah. I thought I might just do one of black currants. Yeah. And that's it then. Yeah. And then my little greenhouse, I'll put some tomatoes in, and then I've got that one bed which is very seasonal. Mm which I'll just grow salad in. Yeah. And that'll probably be enough for me. And my, my, my Tesco crate bed, I'm going to get rid of that now and clear yeah. that area out. And the yeah. idea really will be, long term, I know I need a new shed. So I think I might actually try and enlarge the shed so it comes into a bit oh, of the yeah. bay and have a bit more of a, a better kind of... A longer thin shed. Well, at the moment, my shed's eight by six. Yeah. But, but, but on the other side of the fence, there's probably a metre and a half mm. that I could grab, maybe two metres really. Mm. And what would be really nice for me would be to not have to worry about having having two chest freezers, yeah, which yeah, is just yeah. full in the shed and they're, they're dry and they're in there, but I don't have to give up my working space in the yeah. shed. So it's about having some capability, isn't it? 
And that's what I think I'd like to try and do, get, is get up to a place where we could, you know, make the best use of the space for what I need at the time. And what I need really now is some storage space. Mm. You know, the growing space is, it's, it's not such a necessity, is it, let's be honest. Well, I think you're probably alright for growing space. A bit. I'm just getting a drink of water while you chat about what you've been doing. Well, I've been, I've been sowing a lot of seeds. I've got some lettuce and that on the go as well as all the other things I was saying there. And sowing a bit outdoors as well. Alright. Done a little bit. Not loads. I, I did a early sowing of radish. Yeah. And a really early sowing of beetroot outdoors. Does that come up? Uh, not yet, but it's under the plastic, so... It can be a bit temperamental. Yeah, so I might have to re-sow that, you know, but take the chance, you know. I've uh, done some leaks outside now. Oh, um, yeah. But a lot of mine has been just organising and sorting and yeah. just getting ready and, you know, like That's cleaning out pots and, and, you know, obviously my father-in-law losing in before Christmas. Yeah. Um, been out and, you know, Raddy's garden and there's loads of pots. That's where the strawberries came from. Yeah, that's pretty good. About, I don't know, 30, 40 of those pots, maybe more. Mostly with strawberries in, but a few with others in. Well, they will be put. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to go out and buy those. No. They would have cost a fortune, right. and so because you had them, that's absolutely been brilliant for yeah. me because that means I can have a go at doing what I wanted to try. Yep. Well, if you need some more, I'll sort you oh, out I'll definitely that. take as many as you got. And um, that you know that that just doing that sort of thing. But what I'll do is I'll where I can I'll save the soil, yep. use the soil, um, use the pots. Yeah, so absolutely. A lot of it's just around yeah. making the most of the resource, isn't it? And not wasting anything, not anything go to go in the bin, you know. Well, we're definitely um, all over that, aren't mm. we? I mean, um, the other, you know, on that, you know, that kind of no waste thing is, you know, we have had quite a run of sort of news, haven't we, about the tax hike and then the power hike. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly been looking at ways of um, sort of minimising my, my, my electricity and my gas use. Yep. And certainly one of the things which have really paid for itself already is the wood burner. Mm -hmm. We're still putting that on every night. We've decided yep. to turn the heating off in the house at around six o'clock so then um i light the stove and i get in and then we yeah. just use that and no one's complained so far especially in this transition time but different if it was december don't get me wrong no, well, I've, I've put our central heating right down to like 16 degrees but well, so it basically doesn't save, come on you can save a couple of hundred quid by turning down one centigrade well, i nice. put it down to 16 degrees it's a bit warmer first thing in the morning so a bit before we get up in the morning yeah comes on for a couple of hours then yeah when your delicate little uh, toes come out of the old it, bed yeah, there mate me. it's the rest of the family i don't care um but then in the evening again most days have been lighting the log burner yeah um and that heats the house enough just to take the chill off you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i know exactly um, well we've been doing the same and then we've also done some really simple things like you know, I've done a little bit of um, looking into the power usage because I was oh. under I was under the impression that if things weren't drawing power, yeah, they don't use power. Right. But that's not the case. Right. So even your charger with no phone plugged in on the yeah. end, that's drawing a little bit of power. Right. Okay. So we just made a decision to go around the house and we did it all together, and we just said, right, look, this is your room because I've got three children. This yeah. is your room. What can you turn off at night? You know, what can you unplug? I've got yeah. three chargers in there, one for me pad, one for me this one. <coughs> and they're all charged up and then yeah. they're not on. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, they're not there, so they're not charging. There's nothing coming up. But there is, you know, and the so microwave. Just flick it off of the wall, yeah? Flick it off the wall, I'll just unplug them now. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we've all heard of vampire or phantom power, yeah. which are things that are on standby and what yeah, have yeah. you. So, you know, the mi mi microwave's off, the everything's off. 
And I don't know whether that'll make a lot of difference, but it feels like we, we can do something. So that was the first thing. The second thing um, is that I've looked into insulating my loft. Okay. Because I don't, um, we bought a house 20, 20 years ago. Mm. More than that now, 22 years ago. Mm. And it's got the, the the insulation that was in it, which we never replaced or looked into. It's only thin little rubbishy stuff, you know. Yeah. And I think that if I re-insulate the, the, the roof, I think that'll make quite a significant... Make a huge difference. And my house is small, yeah, yeah. so I don't actually need a lot. No. Um, so I, I think that that will be a really cost-effective way of doing that. And that's something I can do myself as well. So, you know, I know people think, oh, that sounds a bit tricky, but I think going down to Wicks in a car and bunging a few things in or getting them to deliver it, you know, because they'll deliver it to the side of the road, the rolls. A few rolls of fiberglass. Yeah, and, there you go. and, yeah, a, yeah, and yeah. a handsaw for cutting yeah. it. And yeah, make sure you wear your, in, yeah. your, your, you know, your breathing protection and things like that. Yeah. But I've got all that at home, and I reckon for a day's work, mm -hmm. I might be able to save a couple of, you know, yeah. a couple of couple of hundred quid even. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I imagine know. It'll be more than you think, I think. Yeah. So you I'm know, really looking things. forward to doing that. <laughs> but there are the two, and I've got one more before one. you go. Um, is that a friend of mine who's on the on the podcast group? We, we, we share a bit of information, and she said that South, because I live in the south of England, South East Water, if you go on their website, mm. they're giving away loads of free stuff. Right. I was like, hello. All right. Yeah. So, this is what you can get. And this is all for free. Just yeah. go online. Don't need an account. Don't need nothing. Just bosh. I got two covers for my taps for outside to stop them freezing. Oh, yeah. I got a load of pipe lagging for free. Yeah. I got uh, two packs of granules to go in my pots to, to hold water. Uh, and I've got four moisture meters that go in the ground next to your plants so you can tell whether they need watering or wow. not. And that's all free. If you just go on to South East Water mm. and just go on to their website, um, you can just go on there and order them and wow. they'll send them out. So there are lots of little things like that on yeah. there. What I think would be really good now going into this next bit is that if people know of any things like this, maybe they could share them on yeah. the webpage. I'll yeah. put that on. Okay. And I'll give a shout out to Ellen. She found yeah. that and passed it on to me. But um, yeah, and I'll put the link on. And anyone, I know it's not useful for everybody in yeah. this situation, but there might be things that you can get for free in your local area. Yeah. Certainly the government and the local um, sort of power companies and water companies and utilities, they do seem to have some bursaries and grants and things like that. But that's only going to become harder and harder to come by. Don't get me wrong. It is, but there, I mean, there are lots of things like that. And I've, I've been looking at, you know, like our windows and, you know, I know at the moment you, there's lots of companies that will tell you they're doing these windows recycling schemes and all sorts of whatever. Mm. It's just all marketing. You've got to be careful with that. But I've mentioned before about going on the Gov website, .gov website, to find yeah. out about where their actual grants and things are. Yeah, it's like that, the solar power, isn't it? It says, well, oh, you might be eligible yeah, for solar yeah, power, but then you old, get tucked up, don't old, you? Yeah, baloney. But there is one thing that is actually genuine, which is, I don't know if you've heard of Solar Together. No. Nope. So there's a, a, a kind of a, an organisation that is trying to put together people that are looking to get solar panels in certain areas yeah. into kind of little cooperatives. Oh, all right. And so then, then they can... go and approach a, a, a solar company and say, rather than this one house, you could do what will you do? What price will you do for these 50? Yeah, that'd what be What price good. will you do for yeah. these 100 or whatever it is? Yeah, brilliant. And then try and just try and get discounts by taking bigger contracts. That cost down. Well, that's good. So that's something I've been looking into. As you know, I've been looking for solar panel or looking into getting solar panels later mm. on this year when I've got some money coming my way. Mm. So making use of that to try and invest in, you know, keeping the prices down in future. Yeah. Did I talk about solar power last time? I don't remember. Did I talk about 12 volt? I don't think you did. So I was chatting to one of my friends who's an electrical engineer about installing on a small scale a little solar um, system for my shed. Right. And I won't be able to do a lot on it, yeah. but literally with a leisure battery. 
So yeah. what I will be able to do is run some lighting off it, yeah, and run a kettle off it. Which oh, no, you did talk yeah, about I think it I did. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. I did. Yeah, make that rings a bell now. So, yeah, so um, he's coming round to have a look at that at the weekend. So yeah. hopefully we can get that in, he's and just I'll using take some car batteries, presumably. Just power. using a leisure battery and then getting a small rollout or, a, or one of these ones that you have in your caravan. You know, amazing. Well, it would mean that if in the event of a power cut, I could still go down and do whatever I needed to do in the shop. Because hand tools are the way out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think now more than ever, you know, we were talking to your mate down at the farm earlier, and I think the notion of looking at it rather than looking for it is about right, isn't it? Tell you what. Tell you what. <laughs> Leading times on things and availability of certain commodities. It won't. It and... won't be how long you've got to wait. It's where it's going to be. Can you actually can you get, get it? it at all? Yeah. yeah. Without shadow of a doubt. And so, you know, having an awareness of that, and if you know you need something, maybe get on the train with it sooner yeah. rather than later. And yeah. I've done that with the flower, so. I know I was running a bit low on flour, so rather than waiting, straight in there, two big sacks of flour mm. delivered, done, put out sword, and I'll probably get another one in, in a month or so's yeah. time, yeah. and then try and keep it so I've always got one on the go and two in, in reserve. Which is basically what I did as yeah. well, and you know, I didn't use a good meal, I just bought one on Amazon, I'm not going to yeah. lie to you, but I bought a strong white bread flour, and I'll give it a whirl, see what yeah. it says for the kind of bread that I'm making, I'm not sure it, it'll be too bad, I think it'll be alright. Right. You know you do your no-need. Yeah. I saw a recipe for a no-need, which does it like in a big old batch in the fridge. Oh, okay. Have you seen that? That might be the same one as I'm using. So they, they get like a, I think it's like a three-gallon tub. I ain't got so it's a, a bit like you... the crisper drawer in the bottom of your fridge, right? That, the that, whole crisper drawer. That won't. Oh, yeah, that would yeah, fit. Right? Yeah. So the whole crisper drawer, and then you make the dough, Yeah. and then every day you take a little bit off and yeah, bake yeah, yeah, it, yeah, take yeah. a little bit off and bake yeah. it until it's gone and you start again. Yeah, my one is supposed to be like that, except that we, it doesn't seem to make, it says it makes like 10 loaves. I'm like, no, it does not. It makes three loaves. It makes three little loaves. But um, we, I've got back into the habit of making the bread, just yeah. because, I, one, I think it's better for you, and it seems the kids are eating it now. You know, two of my kids never used to really like it, and it was just three of us having it. But now the others are more into it. It seems to be the way forward, and mm. I'm enjoying it. So it becomes a little ritual on a Saturday or a Sunday just to do that, and there's less pressure on doing other things. So it, it seems to be a nice, easy thing to do, and everyone mm. seems to enjoy it. So that's been going. Yeah. I've been enjoying making the bread again. It's good, isn't it? I do like making bread. Yep, so that's been on the yeah. go. I've been on the nettle tea. Yeah. I've been tapping birch. Oh, nice, yeah. I've put a few pictures up on the yeah, web. Yeah, that was good, thing. wasn't it? Yeah. So I've been out tapping a bit of birch just to drink it, not not to use it for any mm. anything else. But, um, yeah, just that little ritual of going out with your bit and brace. And I reckon you could probably still get away with it now if you've not done it and you fancy doing it. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit magical, really, I still think. And it's mm. very tied to the seasons, isn't it? And yeah. That taste of the birch sap, if you've never had it, it's a thing to try. It just tastes like water, really, but there's a certain, surprisingly, it's woody. Earthiness to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, woody yeah, and yeah, sweet, yeah. but it's not that yeah. sweet. No. I think people think it's going to taste like really sweet, like syrup. No. But it, of course, no. it isn't. <laughs> I think no. you'd have to boil it down a hundred, a hundredfold to, to get it down a liter down to about one mil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, get, to get syrup. Get a, get but syrup. you can do it if yeah. you've got enough time and enough trees and enough tubes <laughs> and enough bottles. But um, so I've been doing that. I've been um, I've been clearing my garden, just yeah. tidying up and the ornamental garden, but tidying that up with a view to then shredding the, the prunings. Yeah, um, I'm actually slightly past the time I should have done it by the end of March, really. But just been just trimming down the, the um, tops of the hedges and the, the shrubs and and taking away all the dead stuff from all last year's herbaceous plants and that. And that'll all go in the compost. All goes in it? the compost and that you know it'll go down about half, but for every cubic meter I put of that, I get half a cubic meter. 
compost, that's pretty good, I reckon. That's magnificent. So that's what I need to be doing. So yeah, lots of, I think, you know, now is a good time, isn't it? In the sense that we're just about starting. You can pretty much, in between now and the next sort of month or so. In, between now and when we probably record again in the next two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. People will have got on, wouldn't they? I'm well, just putting my coat on because it's getting a bit it's getting chilly, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the problem. I mean, it gets chilly overnight, doesn't it? Which is oh, slowing things down. But but certainly in the next you know three to four weeks, most things that you want to sow in this country, you're in a position you can start sowing. So it's that kind of exciting time of year, isn't it, where things are just yeah, starting, but starting I would, to go. I would say know? to people, if if you turn on the telly and it says we're going to have a cold week, don't think I've got to do it now. You know, French beans are your classic example. Mm. You know, you look on the back of a pack of French beans, it'll say, sow them in April. Yeah. But they won't grow now. It also says 20, 20 to 25 degrees for germination. Yeah. Exactly. And that doesn't mean just for a couple of hours on Saturday afternoon. It means for a good week. I'm pretty much here, mate. Sitting Move by the fire now, yeah? It's too bloody cold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't help it, mate. I'm old. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, so a lot of that going on. Um, just, should we just take a quick break there and come back? Yeah, I'm just trying to so, think of. Yeah. I, know, I know we'll probably come up with some other things, but I was just I've got a couple to think. of things I want to talk about, but they kind of feel like they're separate. So let's take yeah. a quick break there and we'll come yeah, back. Yeah, the only, the only, well, I've got one more thing. Oh, go so, on, go just on. because we were talking about the sowings in the polytunnel. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I have sown is my onions and things. So yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to say about that. So, um, yeah, there, there have been some of the alliums um, for sowing should be done by now, really. Yeah. Um, you could probably still do them now, but you might have slightly smaller onions. You're talking seeds, not sets. Seeds, yeah? not yeah. sets. Yeah, the sets actually, my sets haven't gone in. No. And going back to what I was saying about the um, French beans, I haven't done that because my ground is still wet. Yeah. And I think that if I put the bulbs in, there's a danger that they will rot. Yeah. Um, especially with the warmth that's getting generated from the top dressing the manure that's in there. So, you know, that kind of warm, wet. Fetid yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of environment. Inviting the, the mold Inviting in, the mold, yeah. 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 So I'm going to just wait until it's a little bit drier for the onion sets. Yeah. But my leeks are up. Yeah. And this year I'm growing shallots from seed. Yeah. Because they're crazy expensive. And once you've got them, you've always got them. So yeah. it's like, why am I not doing them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. they're up. And then I've done a load of modules of spring onions. Mm -hmm. But I haven't done any regular onions from seed but what i might try and do this year is grow some overwintering onions yeah. from seed okay. rather than from sets so yeah. get some senshu japanese onions yeah. and try and do those and i probably would have to sow those probably in june i'd say mm. maybe maybe even a little bit before and the other thing that's ready to go in is the garlic yeah uh, but my garlic bulbs that i bought and they were from a reputable company and they were stored really well yeah. they've been very hit and miss yeah. you know a lot of them when i opened the bulbs they were rotten um, um, so I don't know whether that was a storage thing on my part or whether they just came like that. Um, so I literally pulled them all apart and then I suppose in order to maximise the space I've got, I actually broke the bulbs up and put them in individual pots rather than put them straight in the ground. Yeah. Um, and the idea being then that I could maximise, if I, you know, I think I probably did nearly a hundred, but mm. I've probably only got about 60 or 70. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so... What I didn't want is to have empty rows, so at least now I know that what I put in the ground is growing yeah. and, should, and should come up. So, yeah, yeah sorry about that. That's no, just I, I think, but I think it's a fair point. I think if your ground's really wet or if it's if it still feels cold to touch, yeah, some of those things you want to sow things that need a little bit of warmth in the ground, yeah. like your beetroot and 
about most things other than broad beans, really. Yeah, broad beans you'd get away with, wouldn't you? you just just wait. wait another week. Wait another it's week. hard when you've got the pack of I seeds, know, OL, in your hand, and you're feeling got... like, oh, spring is stirring. But if you've got a south-facing window, you've got any kind of cover. What I've, My tomatoes now were sown in the south-facing window in the heat of the sun. Yeah. As soon as they come up, rather than letting them sit there and fry like I did last year, yeah. they've gone in the heated greenhouse. Yeah. It's only got one tubular heater in there, and in fact, probably I could get away with it most of the time. On those couple of really cold nights, I did cover it with a bubble wrap. Yeah, that's the way to there. do it. But actually, in that greenhouse, it's absolutely fine. It will continue to grow. They're growing beautifully in there. So once they're germinated, you can put them out in under glass, and they should be okay. Uh, obviously, keep an eye on the weather forecast mm. and the temperatures where you are, but... You know, in principle, as long as you keep the frost off of those plants, they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. And the same is, is true also of things like your beans and all those modular sown things that you're talking about there. Once they're up, yeah, they can go out in the yeah. polytunnel or in yeah. the greenhouse or in, you know... Oh, don't get me wrong. Or... When the sun's on the polytunnel, yeah. uh, you're running around in your shorts. <laughs> your short shorts. Short shorts and your flip-flops. <laughs> had to cut me hair out. Oh, mate. <laughs> right, let's take that break and we'll come back and talk some more. Hello ladies and gents, it's just Al here. Um, Mike and I were thinking we wanted to do a segment about what things you could be doing in uh, in April now and in the next couple of weeks before we get a chance to record again. Unfortunately we ran out of time together earlier um, today so we I just thought I'd just quickly do it myself on my own. Um, so obviously we, we, get, we talked a few bits about the, the soil temperature in your area and obviously that's really significant. Um, you, you need to be touching the soil and just feeling it for yourself and making a judgment about whether you think it's warm enough and dry enough to be sowing outdoor um, vegetables into. Um, but certainly if you feel that in your area your soil is warm and dry, then then certainly there's, you know, there's an opportunity to sow leeks and carrots and beetroot outdoors now, uh, <clears throat> certainly until the end of April. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rush it though, as we say, uh, you know, if you wanted to leave it a couple of weeks you know, if the soil is cold, it will slow down germination. It will slow down the seedlings from growing. So just please take your time over that. There's no rush. Um, things you could be doing, though, for definite is, is clearing away, uh, removing away all the old debris from, from the beds. So if you've got, you know, like I have, some kale that's now gone to flower or purple sprout and broccoli, which is just starting to go over, um, time to get that away. You know, if you can shred it down or, or even just hitting it with a hammer uh, a few times just to break up, break open those stems and then just chuck that on your compost, break it up as much as you can, put it on your compost. A really good thing to be doing. Also really important at this time of year to be getting on top of your weed game straight away. So that's, you know, hoeing off those annual seeds with an R sharp hoe, any annual weed seeds that are coming up. Um, making sure that you do that regularly, reliably, particularly if you can do it on a dry or a windy day, that will really finish off those annual weed seeds. And if you've got signs, again, a bit like I have of, you know, things like young dandelion or young, um, you know, other other more perennial weeds that might be starting to come up. Now's a good time, again, to be getting in there with the trowel, digging those out before they get a chance to establish themselves. OK, um, in terms of that, then obviously you're going to be thinking about if you're doing it the way that I am, you're going to be thinking about then mulching, you know, a nice thick layer of, of, of compost or manure or whatever you can get your hands on. Nice, well rotted organic matter on top of that nice thick layer. If you're not going down the no dig route, now's a really good time. If you haven't already, and most of you would have done, I imagine, but if you haven't yet done it, preparing your soil. So, you know, that might be turning and, and creating a fine tilth, a bit of raking and everything else uh, and making sure that your soil's ready for when your plants are ready to be planted out. OK, so where you've cleared away, you know, you're going to clear away all your all your 
your, your finished vegetables you're going to hoe that off and make sure there's any any weeds that are in there that you can get out get them out as best as you can and then a nice thick layer of mulch on top or digging it if that's the route you're going down okay um in terms of sowings you know there's a lot of stuff you can be sowing at this point in time if you haven't already done your tomatoes and chilies aubergines peppers things like that melons maybe uh, it's not too late to do those but you could also think about you know some sowings of peas and broccoli and you know maybe some parsnip or onion maybe if you want to do that outdoors um, it's getting a little bit late for things like garlic at this point in time. So if you haven't got that on the go, um, you know, you, you might try and do a, a late sowing of that and see what comes of it. But it's starting to get a bit late for things like that. Um, you might also be thinking about planting out your potatoes if you haven't already done so. You might be thinking about sowing some cauliflower, maybe some globe artichoke. Um, you might be thinking about perhaps doing, you know, your leeks outdoors. Um, but indoors, you could be now adding to your tomatoes and chilies some other warm weather crops. So some courgettes for an early crop maybe some squashes or some cucumbers, things like that. Um, but, you know, the, the important thing is check your seed packets uh, and, you you know, take a few liberties, take a few chances if you want to, um, but just be aware of your conditions in your area. And also in particular, as I always talk about, you know, have you got space? Have you got somewhere to put um, these plants once they've germinated? How are you going to keep the frost off them? Because, you know, even for me down right on the south coast, there is a chance that we might get a light frost um really up until at least may uh, and possibly even into may potentially so you know just to be aware of that those potential conditions in your area um if you've got cloches or greenhouses or those little plastic hoops that you've got you know you can take a few chances there um, but just be aware that you know that there's a risk and that you might end up having to to re-sow um, you should be at this point harvesting the last of your leeks, maybe perhaps some savoy cabbages. You might be thinking about harvesting some purple sprouting broccoli, as I've mentioned, or um, maybe even some asparagus if you've got that. I've certainly got some salad leaves and I've got actually some lovely round lettuce um, that I sowed back in September, which is now just coming into its own. We've, we've been eating that. It's been delicious. Um, so thinking about that, but also thinking about, you know, I, I don't make any bones about the fact that as well as trying to grow food, I like to grow some flowers. So you know, it's it's a good time to be sowing certain flower seeds, annual seeds in particular. So looking at, you know, in the seed packets again, what can you find that you, you might want to be sowing? Okay, and getting some of those in the garden. You know, you could be thinking about getting some basil in there later on um, this month. Maybe give it a week or so after you hear this recording, but then thinking about sowing some basil for pots in the window seals and that kind of thing. Um, so lots of sowing, lots of gardening that you could be doing. Um, in terms of, you know, clearing, the clearing that you do in the veg patch applies also to the, to the garden patch. I would recommend avoiding... Um, pruning any hedges that you may have and large shrubs that you may have um, as the season goes on unless you're absolutely certain there are no birds in their nesting if you yeah if you disrupt a bird's nesting that can be um, fatal for the babies and, and uh, any, any eggs that might be in there so just try and avoid that if you can um, but you might then be thinking about feeding the birds in your garden I don't because I've got the cats but um, you might be thinking about doing that just be aware again of the recommendations the manufacturers put out there for seeds in particular um, but things like mealworms and stuff like that, I think you could still be be feeding for the wildlife at this time. Um, I've actually been clearing out my pond, which is another thing you could be doing. Again, you know, looking at trying to get out the leaves and all the growth from over the winter. Um, but make sure that if you do that, that you leave all of the debris that you pull out of the pond on the side of the pond for a few days in order to allow any creatures that might be um, hidden in there to crawl back into the pond. Okay, so that's really important. Um, in terms of the beekeeping, we're going to go on in a minute and, and talk a bit about swarm trapping, but getting ready for that is really something you could be thinking about. Um, and in terms of livestock, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about perhaps getting to the point of lay hens, but it would be a good time now to be thinking about setting some eggs for incubation. 
Um, if you were thinking about trying to raise some, you know, some hens or some bantams or maybe some ducks, now would be a good time to be thinking about getting that going as the weather warms up. Um, it'll be easier to care for those young animals uh, as, as it's not so cold outside overnight. Um, so that's just a, a selection of things that just come to my mind of things you could be doing um, between now and the end of April. Obviously, there's loads and loads of others and, you know, go to your, your favourite websites and, and whatever else to get some of that advice and guidance on, on those things or stick it in the Facebook group. You know, we're always keen to, to try and help people out and make comments. And, you know, there's lots of expertise there, not not me and Mike, but lots of other people in there who know their stuff. So um, if you need a helping hand or you've got any questions, particularly if you're starting out, you know, don't be shy to get on there and, and just tell us, you know, ask, ask people, what, what do you think we should be doing here? What do you think of this? Post a picture up, you know, let us know what's going on. And if you need some advice or guidance or, or even just some confirmation that what you're doing is the right thing, you know, um, certainly there's people on there that, that have got that expertise. So use those people, use that community uh, and, and get involved. Anyway, um, I will hand you back to Mike and I from a few hours ago and we're talking back in the woods now about uh, a bit about swarm trapping and beekeeping. OK, cheers. Bye bye. Okay, ladies and gents, we're back. So I wanted just to talk very briefly about beekeeping. and um, Not that we're any good, Al. Well, <laughs> what, what, we what, what, what lost them all, they all died. What do you call a beekeeper with no bees? Yeah. <laughs> Be you not keep. Oh, bee, hello. No. Um, Cheeky. So, so if anyone who's listening, I did an episode with Carl on uh, Self-Sufficient Hub about two weeks ago now, I suppose. And, uh, right, I'm going to open a can now, but it ain't a can yeah, of Fosters, no, right? No, right. <laughs> Sounds like, was, it? I, I revealed on there that our beekeeping skills are well, pretty much nil this year, it would appear. Bloody, <laughs> want some of this? Uh, no, I'm good, thanks, mate. So we, we literally, of the 11 colonies that we had in the end going into winter, I think it was 11, we've got one that's survived. By luck, more uh, than judgment. And that's not because we've done anything to help it, so... Um, I picked it off the floor a couple of times. Mate, I'm... Yeah. I, I, to be, we're, we're, we're making light of it. I think we... I don't know about you, but I certainly felt really bad about about the news. It was quite upsetting I, to me. I, I wasn't, didn't feel as bad about it as I thought I would. Oh, I nearly shed a tear, bro. Did you? I did, yeah. But uh, it, I am a natural optimist. If, so if I didn't have as much honey as I've got stashed away, I might have been more say, upset. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I ain't got any. No. I'm going to be round your house. <laughs> you can have some, mate. <laughs> you can have some. <laughs> no, I've got a bit. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a year's this, supply. I've got enough for this year and probably next as well. Oh, so. well definitely will become so, major. Yeah, if you need a bit more, I'll send you some your way. Um, but so, yeah, so the bees are all gone and, and as yet... Um, I've done sort of post-mortem kind of affair on a couple of them and it seems to be that, that one has absconded in some way, whether that's colony collapse disorder or what, I don't know, but there was literally 12 dead bees in the bottom and that was the only bees I could find. There's one that we've been through that had a cluster that was just too small, it looks like they froze. That was one of I would say Time, that we've had it? a combination of some some bees naturally coming down to the end of their cycle, yep. not requeening properly. I would imagine that a lot of them looked like they were swarmed out. And by that, what I mean is that when that first lot of bees go with the existing queen, then what should happen is that the first queen who comes out, because there's lots of queen cells normally in a hive, yeah. the first queen will come out and she will kill all the other queens and then remain in the hive. But sometimes that doesn't happen and multiple queens come out at the same time and then they all take a few bees and swarm out. And they're called casts or mm. after swarms. 
And what that will do is just reduce your colony down to zero. They don't survive, do they? No. And then it and, weakens the main colony. And I can hand on heart say that <coughs> I didn't do a lot of beekeeping last year or the year before. And maybe what we're actually feeling is not this year, it's last year. The year before. Well, we, we de if you remember this time last year coming out of winter, we were in a very poor position. We'd lost three colonies. And the ones that we had weren't terribly strong with a couple of exceptions. I think there's, well, the thing that's most surprising me is not that we lost the ones that we, we lost... Um, but that we lost the strong colonies. Yeah. So we lost, you know, we, we, we made a conscious decision around about April or May last year where we actually were going to just try and build up more colonies. Yeah. And so I've made splits and probably perhaps made splits when perhaps I shouldn't have done and weakened both colonies maybe yeah. and they've not then made it yeah. through. Um, but there were certainly two very strong colonies going into winter and we've lost both of those as well. Yeah. And that's the bit that bothers me. And one of those was one of the ones that just absconded. They're just gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other one I've yet to have a proper look through. But um, it's not great news, frankly. Um, whether it's, you know, it doesn't appear to have been disease. I don't think it has. It some kind of it's poisoning, probably a bit maybe. Of, mate, the only just, thing just... we could say is that it might have been, but because it was across two sites, it's probably not. No. You know, maybe no. there was, but no. I think it's a bit of mismanagement, certainly yeah. on my part. And um, so, but but like anything, it gives us kind of an opportunity to talk to to, to talk to people. I, I I don't like ever coming across as a guru. You know what I mean? We're just ordinary fellas, aren't we? And yeah, we've yeah. accrued some knowledge, yep. but we still get hits, make mistakes, take losses like everyone well, else. Like this. And this now we're in a position passive. like 90% of other people on our <laughs> podcast haven't got any bees either. <laughs> How'd you get into beekeeping? Well, you didn't ask him, don't, me, don't, mate. Don't, oh, don't ask me. Don't ask somebody us, what they're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So, so <laughs> what's nice is that for some of you out there, and we've had people who've contacted us, and we know that there are some people who listen, we're all almost starting again now. And yep. what would be really nice would be to look at people who maybe think, want to put swarm traps up or maybe have overwintered a colony and they've got some nuke boxes to build. And we can share information as we go forward. Look at each other's hives yep. and take photos and share where you're at and maybe share that little bit of journey because it is quite magical, that journey. I'm looking well, forward to it. There's, there's, there's an element of uh, yeah mysticism around not buying bees. How do you get bees for free? Yeah. And I think certainly that we, you know, one of the reasons that I'm not so downheartened, obviously, is that I've got honey. Yeah. Another reason I'm not so downheartened is I've also got knowledge. Yeah. And when we first did this, I didn't have the knowledge that I've got yeah. now. And yeah, yeah, I've still got a lot to learn, clearly. Um, but in terms of trapping swarms and that sort of thing, yeah, that's something I know I can do. And and that's, I think, perhaps something just to talk briefly about, because I know that you had a conversation with Peter on the on the Facebook group. Yeah, because I was talking I spent, trapping, I spent last weekend in the, at home, but... Um, in my little micro workshop making some swarm boxes mm. and the cost of the swarm boxes was one error because I made an error buying a swarm box which was too big um, right. a, a brood box yeah. and so um, it came and I could have sent it back but for the sake of whatever it was it was easier to cut it in half and use the timber yeah. but I've subsequently found that you know, I found some shuttering ply. Some that's 18 mil plywood for anybody who doesn't know. 18 a sheet of 18 mil ply. I think they're about 45 pound in juicens. That's right. straight off the peg. Yeah. Now, if you look around, you will find 18 mil shuttering ply in skips yeah. or on building sites or whatever it is. The reason that it needs to be something of reasonable quality is because plywood, obviously, with the sides of plywood, is going to let moisture in. So it will always need to be painted or have some sort of coating on it. Otherwise, it will just delaminate. But if you can get pine boards and laminate them together or join them just with some glue, 
you know if you if you if you can find some sheet goods and, and do that that's absolutely fine I'm not joking yeah if you can find the best thing to probably find is if you go onto Facebook marketplace people throw away pine wardrobes all the time yeah. and the the sides and the base are pine wood yeah and they're and they're flat yeah. and if you chop one of them up you'll get plenty yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. they're brilliant so if you ever see one of those and you've got the capacity to cut it up you know a circular saw or even a jigsaw do it if you yeah. can hold a straight line yeah. you can make everything you need out of that and it'll be great yeah and it'll be stable and it'll be sorted that's what i keep so, looking so at what for. you're then talking about then is making basically a, a, a box a box which is about half the size of a regular um, beehive yeah um, and the idea then is that it's small enough that it's easy to transport realistically yeah. isn't it? that's the, the, the largest bit about it you know, i think it's raining now it's raining a little bit, yeah you could use a you could use a full size box if you wanted to. So if you've got a hive, you could just put that out. Yep. Um, and the idea is you're going to then try and bait it to encourage bee swarms to move in, right? That's right. And so what you want to do is you what's happening is that there are wild colonies or people who keep bees inexpertly like me and Alan. Mm. They'll have colonies around, and at some point in the season they will look to swarm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what will happen is the scout bees they will have sussed out loads of different places they could go to. So what you're trying to do is within your locality is to have like these basically these really desirable residences ready to go. And so as the scout bees and you when you, when you first do this you think oh, I've got a swarm because you see some bees going in and out, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about to, yeah. believe me when you get a swarm you will know you it. Will know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, you think, oh, there's five or six bees going in and out. Yeah, that yeah, looks yeah. like it. No. But that's not it, no. Unless it's a few thousand. Yeah. Like, so, um, but what will happen is the scouts will go around the locality and they'll find all the little locations they could use. And then on that day when they're ready to swarm and those queens start emerging in their own hives, they will just turn up and pitch up. So the ideal location is probably about 10 feet in the air, maybe on a shed roof, maybe on a flat roof or a mm-hmm. garage. Or something like that. It doesn't need to be in the in the in the woods or right. in the. It can be anywhere, um, somewhere where you can get to it safely up a ladder or yeah. wherever you're going. It's moving even when it's full of bees, yeah. Even even when it's full of bees, and a, and a, 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 a good swarm can weigh up to five pounds, right? So just bear that in mind. You don't want to be teething around on a ladder with that bad boy, do you? No, you don't. Um, yeah, mate, stick it on. And um, make sure that you've got all your veil and everything like that but yeah. swarms are pretty cool aren't they to they be honest be. with you but yeah. the idea is that they're going to go into this nucleus box they'll swarm in there and then you've got two options you can either if if where they're if where they are is accessible and you can then put the frames in and feed them i'd actually leave them there for a bit yeah. until they get established sometimes swarms do get a bit in and out of your bait hive don't they the alternative yeah. is, as soon as they're in there, is to put them immediately to their permanent position and do it that way. I so, tend to prefer leaving them still, but let's go back a step to yeah. baiting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you're going to put the box up, but you're not just going to have an empty box. No. Um, what I would suggest is, if you've got it, and we've got lots of this now, which yeah, is great, have, um, yeah. old frames, particularly old brood frames, are really good because they... Uh, emit a particular odour for the bees, I think it seems to be. Oh, they drag them in, mate. Definitely drag them in. And last year I did it with some some old frames and you can actually smell the wax and the honey from the ground beneath it. Yeah. Um, but you also want to put, I would say, about oh, five or six drops of lemongrass oil right in the back. Yeah. Um, and supposedly that imitates the queen pheromone. So do you know what I've done this year? Go on. I can't afford lemongrass oil. Oh, mate, I've got some. You can have some. No, no. Try something else. Oh, go on. I've got some lemon balm. Okay. Yeah. Bee balm. Yeah. It's not called that for a reason, no, is it? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got a load of early bee balm that's growing in yeah. my back garden, and I've chopped it up, 
and I've put it in some more oil, mate. To, to try and see yeah, if yeah. I can make a, yeah, because it, it, it it's called Melissa Officialis, isn't it? Yeah. Is that right? Is that, is that I'm that's not the sure name of bomb? Yeah, yeah. bee bomb, bomb, yeah. Yeah. lemon bomb, lemon bomb, yeah. lemon bomb. So I thought, well, I know for a fact that the bees are all over that plant yeah. when it's out. It smells lemony. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not dissimilar to lemongrass. No, it's not. So no. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go Try for it. it. Okay. This and if this comes off, me and you, we we'll never mind everything else. We're going into that. We'll be rich. That's it. We're it's just going to be growing lemon, lemon balm in the woods. Well, it's a. I don't know whether it'll work or not, but it's certainly got a very strong lemony odour. Yeah. So I thought, well, what's there? And it's free. But so, so, <laughs> certainly, a few drops of something like that in the back will help. Yeah. In yeah. my experience. And then, as you say, putting up high. Um, and then here comes the rain, bruv! Oh, we're going to get no, we're not going to get what we've got a canopy, we're good. Yeah, we're all right, um, but it's so nice for people to hear we're out in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that's lovely. Well, we've had all sorts today, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, well, it's April showers, isn't it? Yeah, um, so putting that up, and then when if you do get a swarm, you know, I would typically only put one frame in there and leave a box largely yeah. empty. Yeah, that's and what the bees I are looking for a cavity they can fill. So if you fill yeah. it for them. They're not necessarily going to find that as attractive as something that's a bit empty. No. But then being prepared with the other frames to put them in there, once you've got the bees in, I think is a good shout. Yeah. And I tend to prefer to leave them in in, loca in location for a short period of time. Yeah, me too. And what what is very helpful at that in that first bit is what your bees are going to do, which is natural behaviour for bees when they swarm. Is they're going to build loads of comb. Yeah. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And that's what they're geared up to do. Um, in order for them to produce wax, they use enormous amounts of honey yeah. um, or nectar. So if you can provide that yeah. by feeding, that's not a bad idea. And mm -hmm. so if you get a swarm in your bee box, if you've got the capacity to put an extra eek on the top, or an eek is just like a shallower box that you can put a feeder in, mm -hmm. that really does pay dividends. Yeah. And it's also a nice thing for a new beekeeper. If you're somebody who's not kept bees before, yeah. A swarm is quite a nice, manageable amount of bees. Yeah. When you take the top off, it's not sixty thousand in the yeah, colony. Yeah, and they're too busy building up to be. And they're building, you. and you can, you know, you get into this really nice little routine of. I remember the first bees I ever had were a court swarm, and every day I would go and just do a pound jar yeah. of sugar syrup, so a regular honey jar, and then out I'd go and put it onto the top frames yeah. and put my little week back on. And I was yeah. doing it every day, so, you so were... I was building up my own confidence in handling, and yeah. it wasn't too much. Yeah. And you know, I like to think that the bees were getting used to me, which of course they weren't. They didn't care. They. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but no. I was getting used to them. Yeah. And and the processes of opening the hive every day, and being confident, but also thinking about you know at you know, looking at the weather, shall I go out today? Is it is yeah. it is it a bit thundery or is it too cold? And I was I was making decisions, but on a much smaller scale, on a much man more manageable scale. It's actually quite a nice way of starting. So, so, in terms of your feeding, because I'm thinking about you know, we've got obviously we're thinking about. I've actually put some swarm traps out already. Yeah. Right, which is very very early, and yeah. I will have to go and put some more lemon balm, lemon yeah. grass oil in the back uh, before the main season starts. Yeah. But I'm pretty certain we lost some swarms in April last year. We got yeah. a hot spell and we lost some swarms. Yeah. Um, and certainly I know of people that saw swarms in that April spell. So I'm yeah. ready to go. Yeah. I've got a couple of boxes out. I'd like to get a load more out because I'd like to try and catch half a dozen swarms if we can. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, but then obviously when you're thinking about feeding, you're talking about a, a pound gl glass honey jar. Yeah. You can get a special lid for it, which has got like a mat. It's a plastic gauze in it. Yeah. With thing with gauze, mesh gauze in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah. And that will, if you then invert that, it will then... The vacuum as, will stop vacuum, it from dripping And out. the bees can then go and get it yeah. by... Yeah. All the these things are yeah. homemade though. 
You can do that with a regular honey jar with yep. a tiny nail. Yeah. You just punch it. Punch some holes. And then just it. make sure you flatten the, in, the inside. Yeah. And the vacuum will still form. Yep. Please, please, please go out and buy it. All this process is in Ted Hooper's book, Guide to Bees and Honey. Yeah. Yeah. All of this information it is the beekeeping bible for the UK. Yeah. And it's written in a really accessible manner. Yeah. So I would definitely try and get hold of that one book. That, and to be fair, if you had that one book, you can probably do everything. Yeah. You know. But um, what I will do is, last night I found a. Um, a nucleus box cut list plan for an right, okay. 8x4 sheet. Yeah. I found a web page which has got that on it, which is right. UK based and it's pretty um, easy to follow. Okay. So I'll, I'll share that today. Yeah. I'll put that on today. And the other thing that I said I'd put on today was the thing for the southeast water. So I'll get so that yeah, on. Yeah, you can get that on there because I think just encourage people to start getting your stuff together, getting some sites sorted out. Yeah. Ask your neighbours, ask your friends, ask whoever yeah. you know that knows owns a bit of land. Well, we're having a race now. Us and Peter. Are we? We're having a swarm off. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is up though. Mine ain't up yet. I got, my, I got two up. Well, I've, I've got, got mine. mine oh, right, and you're in it as well, then, yeah? Oh, yeah. All oh, right. I think there might have to be a. a <laughs> but we, but we need have to, to send him a Mars bar if he gets yeah. home first. What? <laughs> but we, we do need to get together and make some more boxes because yeah. I would like to get 10 or 12 of those out this year. Okay. Get some up here somewhere, find a spot for them in here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on, on your shed roof, on my garage roof, take one around to my old deers. You know, well, the old, anywhere. Be, the old uh, chicken house is the prime spot. I've had two off there now. Well, that brings me on to the other thing I was going to say, which is. Once you've had a swarm in a location, yeah, keep chances are the following year, or at least every few years, they will come back to the same spot. Hopefully. Um, and so I've found very much success in the same locations. Yeah. And once you put a box up, it tends to attract them. Yeah. And once you've had them, they'll go there. Chances are they'll come back again. Fingers so, crossed, mate. I'll be up for that. swarm will come along. So please, yeah, get, get yourselves onto that. Um, I think we're probably going to have to leave it there today, mate, anyway. So apologies yeah. to everyone. For, it's been a while since we've been recorded, and obviously this is going to be a bit of a short episode. Well, what we'll do is we'll get our stuff together, and we'll record maybe in the next fortnight, yeah. and we'll do one evening up at the shop Let's do when that. everyone's gone home, yeah. um, and we'll make, make some beef. frames Let's book a night boxes. before we go yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think if we could get that sorted, that's really important. Yeah, let's do that up at the workshop, because all otherwise, the tools are there. Otherwise the season will be on us, and it'll be too late. All right, mate. So, anyway, thank you very much to everybody for listening. If no you enjoyed it, get on the Facebook group, get on there, share. It's been so cool seeing new people joining. But the last few don't days, just sit there. Put don't, pictures don't be sleepers, up. Yeah. Put be pictures involved, up. Yeah. Put pictures up of what you're doing because it's so nice. Not for us. It is just for not just for us. We like seeing what you're doing, but I think it's very encouraging. I think a yeah. lot of people are like, you know, think they're worried that you know they they haven't got a lot of experience or knowledge. We haven't got loads either. We're just no. blagging it as always. Yeah. But it's nice when people share because it's about being part of a community. Isn't it? Ideas, things that you've seen, things you've done, things you're gonna do. Please put some photos up. And that applies whether you're a beginner or if you're like you've been gardening for 50 years or beekeeping for 50 years or whatever. Al's been if you're Al's 80. <laughs> he's, he's been keeping bees for 80 years. If you haven't been keeping bees, mate, clearly. Um, but if, even if you're just starting out, don't be shanked or, or afraid to show what you've been doing. Damn right. Because uh, that's where you're going to get some feedback and where you're going to feel like you're going to learn some stuff. And you feel like you don't know much right now. That can only be changed by you putting stuff on there. Can only be improved. So don't be afraid of it. We anyway, like learning and all that. Well, we like learning too. Very important. So thank you very, very much indeed for listening and supporting the podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please get on the Facebook group as we say. Get out there, share it with your friends, tell everybody you know. Uh, you know, tell your nan, tell your mum, tell your neighbours, tell your sister, tell whoever you like about uh, Homesteading UK Facebook, uh, uh, podcast. And uh, we will speak to you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thank Toodle you very pip. much. Bye bye. So thanks very much everyone for listening through to the end of another episode of uh, the Urban Homesteading UK podcast. 
if you've enjoyed what you're listening to please come and join us on our Facebook group uh, you can come find us on Urban Homestead in UK on Facebook uh, come and find us on Instagram and uh, all those other good places please tell your friends about us and uh, do come and listen again thank you bye bye